Hi, and welcome back to Something About. Um, today we are covering, <clears throat> excuse me, today we are covering episode six, To Protect and Serve, of Only Murders in the Building. And I just need to figure out a better way to, like, make better theme music rather than, like, literally recording it from YouTube. So if you have any better suggestions, your girl is open and willing to take suggestion. So when we last left off, um, Mabel, Charles, and Oliver, and Oscar were all at Tavo's Tattoo Shop. And they were talking about how Tim was a loner who worked at a bank trying to take down a black market jewelry dealer. Um, and the new episode starts with a voiceover from Detective Williams, the woman who was working Tim's case. Um, she starts by saying we are all born, but then goes on to say... She, she starts with, we are all born alone. Unless you're born with a twin or unless, like, you're a triplet, which really creeps her the fuck out. And don't get her started on quadruplets or whatever the fuck they're called. But basically, we all spend our time alone. And she's not wrong. I love being alone. Um, I love doing things alone. I'd like to sleep alone. But my boyfriend likes to sleep literally on top of me, so can't have that. She goes on to talk about how there was this TV show she was obsessed with when she was younger called Herman's Head. Um, I looked it up. It's a real TV show. It was on for about three seasons from 91 to 1994. And he had all these imaginary people in his head. It reminded me a lot of the movie Inside Out where like the four or five personalities are in your head. And there was, you know, the nervous one, the romantic one. She loved the TV show. She never finished it. But she learned to live her life like Herman. And the people inside her head. And like, honestly, same. we all have. And I don't, you can deny it all you want. But we all like have a voice in our head that we like talk to. Whether it's aloud or in our head. But um, she didn't listen to the romantic one. But she got messed up when she did listen to the romantic one um she then is walking into the nursery where her wife is listening to the only murders in the podcast building while scraping paint off of a wall and she is very visibly pregnant um he tells her she doesn't want their unborn child to listen to the bullshit that is the true crime podcast genre and um her wife can smell cigarettes on her. And D tells her that, you know, don't get on my case. I had a hard case today. Involved a little girl and her stepdad. And um, we can only imagine and go from there. And her wife mentions, you know, they want to name. She wants to name their son Kareem. And Dee tells her that's a hard no from her. She doesn't want to name her son Kadeem, like the guy from Different World. And her wife has to point out that those are two different names. And she really starts getting on her case. So um, 
she tells her she doesn't want her to end up like Jurgison, one of her co-workers at work. And she notices the podcast when the Arconia gets brought up because that's where Tim's murder took place. And she's like, what? this? I closed that case. It was a suicide. Open and closed. It was simple. And her wife wants, you know, wants to know what about the cat prints. And Dee responds, are you fucking for real? Like, we closed this case. It was a suicide. It was really easy. What else are they saying? Um, and it's just, you know, her her wife is telling her it's just two dopey guys doing the podcast. But they tell the story really well. And um, the yard dogs were hyping up the podcast. So she thought she'd listen to it. Um, Dee is telling her she doesn't like to be questioned about a case. It's already done. Um, she, she doesn't tell stories with her case. She does the case and she doesn't make mistakes. So she gets all up in arms and she's, you know, and I, and I understand she leaves cause she doesn't want the work shit being brought up. And I mean, I'm not a police officer. I'm not a detective, but I'm sure when you're done a case, if something new comes up, you don't want it to be questioned. So she leaves. We're now back at Gustavo's tattoo parlor and all the jewelry is now on a pool table. And Tim was scared. Tim had told Gustavo he was scared that this guy named Angel was going to kill him. And Oscar is narrating what is happening. And Mabel is telling them what she found in his apartment. Um, She ended up going back after they left. And they were both a bit shocked that she went without them. But of course, that was at the time when she didn't want to tell them. That she knew Tim. She personally knew Tim. Um, Gustavo is looking at a couple pieces of jewelry. And he's confirming that they are from Angel. And they're asking who Angel is. And Gustavo doesn't have much. Except for the fact that he was a, a black market jewelry dealer. And that Tim was just obsessed with buying jewelry off him. Because he was looking for like a very specific piece. And Mabel wanted um, a picture or like, what did this piece of jewelry look like? And he's like, oh, when I find it, I'll go through my phone because I have millions of photos, as we all do. Um, When I find it, I'll text it to you. Charles and Oliver also want the picture texted to him. And Mabel's like, no, just text it to me. They'll be fine. Um, And he was, Gustavo was going to connect him to a jewelry guy his name is cutter because he just wanted to find out or find this you know specific piece of jewelry he was looking for um and oliver then compares all these twists and turns to a drunk leprechaun making a rainbow and he can say that because he's three-fourths irish with a little drinking problem so it was okay for him to say all that. And Tim was supposed to meet Cutter at Gustavo's jewelry shop on that day. So that is what the note was about that Mabel had found in like the Hardy Boy book. 
And right as that was being brought up, a woman walks in and she starts kind of yelling. She had to find out from Miss Skullcap here that she's in Bayport. And the woman is talking to Mabel. And uh, we find out that's Mabel's mom. And right as, you know, she's finished up saying this, Charles looks at her and goes, let me guess, you're not Cutter. So now we cut to um, a house and what we all can assume is, you know, Mabel's childhood home, her mom's house. And they're all sitting around a table eating food that looks delicious, um, jealous. And Oliver is telling a story about a sad, lonely boy raised by a psychological, a psychologically abusive mother. Um, and it was none other than Stephen Joshua Sodenheim. We have no idea who that is. It was just, it's just a story that Oliver is telling us. So I guess we're just going with it. And um, when Stephen was on his game, he was a blessing. And when he was not, he was Oliver's patient. Again, we don't get the whole story. We just like walk into this conversation happening around a delicious looking dinner table. Um, at the moment, Mabel gets um, a text from Gustavo. It's a picture of the piece of jewelry that Tuma's looking for. And she just she just kind of brushes it right off. Um, Mabel's mom asks, like, what? Like, what are you doing? And, you know, Mabel lets him know that, lets her know that they're investigating what happened to Tim because it wasn't, it doesn't seem like a suicide. They don't think it's a suicide. And her mother's a little PO'd about, you know, everything that's going on and that they should let her go. Um, the podcast literally is nothing. There's only like 17 followers. I don't know how many followers I have. I think it might be like, it might be a little more than 17. I have an established audience of eight, but that's based off of the platform that I use to record this. But I have 164 plays, so that's pretty good. Let's get the word out there. But first, let's get back to the episode. Um, they, Mabel and her mom start bickering about what happened that night with Zoe and how are Charles and Oliver, like, how old are they? What is she doing with them? And Oliver, you know, replies he is in his early mid sixties. And, um, her mother says she can't finish anything and Mabel is trapped in the past. And that pisses Mabel off, so she storms off, and Oscar goes goes following her. We're now back with Dee, and she is at her, we can assume she's at her precinct. She's sitting at her desk, and she's looking over Tim's file, because it got her thinking since she heard the podcast playing. Um, the forensic toxicology was never submitted, and she's a little curious as to why. And then his phone was never sent to IT. And those two things could probably lead to clues as to why or how 
believed him was murdered or why he committed suicide, if he truly did do it. Um, we're now back at Mabel's mother's house, and she's talking to Oliver and Charles. Um, and she's telling him why she would send Mabel to her rich sister, because she was always working, and she figured if she sent her there during school vacations in summer... She could go to museums. She could see plays. She would be inspired to dream bigger. Um, and she was so smart and sure, sure of herself before the incident happened 10 years prior. And now she's just a ghost of grief. And um, Charles chimes in saying he didn't know any of that. But she... He tells Mabel's mother that she's very funny and intuitive, intuitive, and Oliver boasts how she's weird, but like in the best of ways. And we're all a little weird in the best of ways. We then um, hear from Mabel's mom and she looks at them across the counter and goes, do you or have you screwed up something so bad you'll never forgive yourself? And um, the camera pans over Charles and Oliver and, you know, they're contemplating the things that they screwed up. Charles was with his um, ex-girlfriend and Lucy, the daughter, and Oliver, as we know, it's his family with his wife and his children and all that. And um, her mother admits the the biggest screw up for her was letting Mabel just spend all that time in her sister's apartment. And she asks them to just let her be, to leave her alone. And just she that Mabel needs to move forward and not back. And they, they agree. And, you know, they thank her for dinner. And as they're getting ready to leave... Mabel comes into the doorway and says, you know, she's probably right. And this whole thing was stupid. And Charles looks at Mabel and tells her this was many things, but it wasn't stupid. And Mabel's like, why? I'm a stranger. You let me into your life and I, I lied to you. I had two randos drag me into a podcast. And Oliver then looks to Charles and explains what rando means and Charles is like um, I picked up on context clues and Mabel tells him they should continue with the podcast they'll be able to easily figure out Twitter but um, not to use TikTok and she's not wrong Twitter's pretty easy TikTok hmm, I've kind of figured it out and it just you get the feeling that they're breaking up our unlikely trio is breaking up. And Charles looks at Mabel and he tells her, you know, this is the most alive he has felt in over a decade. And Oliver agrees. And they say their goodbyes. And, and they head out. We're now back at the Arconia. And I'm a, it's hard to tell if they're in Charles or Oliver's apartment. But they're sitting at a kitchen table. And they're chatting over gut milk. And they're just shook. Mabel, Mabel taught them what shook meant. And um, they got yelled at by her mom. And they feel, they feel shook by it. 
and Charles says the law of nature is nothing good happens in Long Island. So I don't know if I should make that a note to myself. Never go to Long Island. I don't know. I've only ever been to New York like twice. New York City like twice. And I've driven through New York once. Again, another story for another day. Um, As they're drinking the gut milk, they both realize like it's really good. And Oliver thinks it's giving him abs. Uh, Charles reads the like nutrition label and it's 13% alcohol. And that's why it's probably really good. You know, they're getting a little buzz. Um, They're cheersing to a good run. And, you know, Oliver wants to continue with the podcast. But, you know, Charles says, you know, every true crime story is true for someone. But they can't exploit Mabel's life and pain. And Oliver's like, damn it. And, you know, it's personal for Charles and Oliver now, too. And Oliver's like, you know, it, it definitely feels personal to me because, you know, Winnie, you know, what happened to Winnie? And Charles is like, who is Winnie? And Oliver looks at Charles like, are you fucking kidding me? Winnie's my dog. You've seen her. She was poisoned. Like, wow, we barely know each other. And as this is going on, Oliver receives a text from Teddy and he's a little nervous. He's not sure what to do. So he asks Charles to go with him. You know, we're now back with Dee at home with her wife. And Dee is, you know, saying how she barely dated her entire 20s. And she knew on this one night when she pulled over a woman driving and texting. Because we should not be texting and driving. I know we've all done it, but we shouldn't. So don't do it. It's a little safety PSA. Um, and that her wife lied to her face. And her wife's like, oh, but I wasn't texting. Ah! And he goes, you're fucking lying again. And, you know, she knew from that, I, ne- that night on that she would never be alone again. And now she's got a beautiful wife, a little, little baby boy on the way, not named Kareem. And the podcast gets brought up again and she tells her wife how like she looked at the talks report and it wasn't submitted. And also that the phone was never brought to IT. And she brought um, and she tells her wife that she can't bring it up to her superiors because if they've already closed the case, like clearly they want hands off. And, you know, let's let's put it aside let's work on this nursery for baby Keith and her wife is like Keith and she goes yeah it's not Kareem and it's not lame as fuck and her wife agrees and is like you know what I could dig it I could dig it we now go back to Mabel's house and we're in what looks like Mabel's childhood slash adult bedroom at her mom's house And Oscar is in there and um, she has this big tree of life in her room. And her mom told her after the incident with Zoe, you know, 10 years ago, that she should read about the tree of life. But instead, Mabel built it and it's it's huge. It literally goes from floor to ceiling. It's kind of cool. 
And then he points out, you know, like, wow, this is weird. And she has a cardboard cutout of Christopher Maloney. And Mabel's like, he's the hottest criminal mind ever. I mean, Christopher Maloney does have a nice ass. Um, my thoughts on that is, and I'm sure some of you will agree, men either have a big old juicy booty or a flat ass. There's never an in-between. Like my boyfriend, flat ass. Christopher Maloney, big old juicy booty. I feel like there's nothing in between. Um, back to the show. Nothing um, had could ever compared to what Oscar went through, but Mabel was just trying to explain to him she had it hard. And I'm sure it was hard, obviously, in a different way. She knew Oscar was innocent, but she couldn't do anything. And then, you know, Oscar's been in jail. And they they agree that they all had it hard in different way. Um, Oscar finds an old fo- photo album from, like, Mabel when she was in the sixth grade. And he chuckles at her haircut. It's like a little bowl cut. And that's when we find out Mabel's mom's name is Sylvia. And I'm pretty sure I've been referring to it, but her name is Sylvia. And then he finds a Hardy Boys album of their adventures through the Arconia over her spring and summer breaks. And they find, not they find, they come across the photo of that night from New Year's Eve from when Zoe was killed. And Mabel grabs it and takes a real hard look at it. And um, she notices that the ring that Zoe is wearing is the same one that Gustavo had texted her earlier. And that must have been the ring that Tim is after, obviously. And why was why was Tim after it? And Oscar tells Mabel that she wasn't wearing it because um, you don't forget the sight of seeing your girlfriend's dead body on the ground. So he knows she wasn't wearing it. And they're now questioning, like, where is the ring? But Oscar shuts that conversation down. He doesn't want to talk about it. He He wants to talk about literally anything else. He just wants to be with Mabel. And he thought about Mabel a lot. And Mabel thought about him a lot. And she was waiting for him. But not like waiting for him. Just waiting for him. You know what I'm saying? Not waiting for him. (laughs) Wink, wink. And over the last 10 years, you know, she worked and she partied. She got bangs. And, you know, when she got the bangs, she had to hide for a month because they were terrible. And Oscar's like, "Uh, I'm sure you looked real cute with bangs. And she goes, no, they were like straight across and kind of like curled out on the side. And like. If you're a woman, a person identifies as a woman, and you've had bangs, we've all gone through that bangry phase where you're growing them out and they look terrible. Um, I'm pretty lucky that my hair grows pretty fast, so my bangry phase did not last too long. I mean, it. I had it when they were straight across bangs, not a side bang or a curtain bang, a.k.a. Um, a bang that's not a bang. But by the sounds of it, Mabel had the straight across bangs. So as they grew out, they, you know, it sucked. And now Oscar and Mabel are making out because they've spilled their feelings. Oliver and Charles are now in Teddy's apartment, sitting on his couch. And um, Jimmy Fallon happens to be on. And he is interviewing Cinda. And she brings up, you know, the guy that plays Brazos is investigating 
a murder in his building. And Charles, you know, the look on his face seems a little embarrassed. And Oliver, like, kind of loves it, but also not sure how he should feel about it. And she mentions how he's a theater director. And then they're also doing it with one of their granddaughters. And she says that, you know, Sting is the main suspect. And she mentions the title, Dima's Chicken Wraps Presents Only Murders in the Building. And now Oscar, not Oscar, I apologize. Oliver, you know, looks looks a little embarrassed. And then Teddy shuts off the TV. And Charles and Oliver look like they're getting ready to get yelled at by their dad. I mean, they were already yelled at by a mom, so why not get yelled at by a dad? And Teddy is pissed off, but not not for the reasons we're thinking. He's he's pissed off because Fallon is huge in Greece and he couldn't have warned he couldn't have told his family. And I guess in Greek they fucking love Jimmy Fallon. And he says they're gonna shit themselves with envy. He like he totally loves it. And Charles and Oliver, the look on their face is like kind of shocked, not sure how they feel, and he wants more. He's so proud of him. He wants more. And he, you know, is going to write a big ass $50,000 check for three more episodes. And Charles tells Teddy, we we can't do this anymore. We lost one of our partners. Like, we can't go on. And Teddy brings him over to, like, this bookshelf. And it's got old photos of family and, like, this little coin in a picture frame. And he tells him, he asks him about you know, do you, do you know anything about the Greek Armenian Holocaust? They're like, no, we don't. And he mentions how his grandmother, his Yaya, was a young woman when the Turks invaded and was just slaughtering them. And most women um, would wear their families like savings on a necklace made of gold coins. And when, you know, the Turks had invaded, a lot of Women were trading their necklaces, trying to get out. Well, his Yaya wanted to trade her necklace with a Turkish shoulder soldier for a seat on a boat to America. And, you know, he made her a deal and he let her keep two of the coins. You know, one to invest into her future and then just to keep one for luck. And Teddy goes on to say they made it through bloodstained water to Ellis Island with the coins. Um, And she used one of those coins to open a sandwich shop. And the other coin he passed down or she passed down to Teddy's father. And um, Teddy and his father didn't see eye to eye. And I'm wondering if it's because he didn't fully go into the family business, maybe. I don't know. And um, he has another, like, side business. Um, And his grandmother's name was Evangeline. And his father wasn't going to give him the coin. And he said, the only way you're going to get this coin is out of my cold dead hands. So they ask him, well, what did you do? And Teddy goes, I dug the fucker up and I ripped it out of his cold dead hands. And, you know, Teddy's, like, cackling. And Charles and Oliver, like, uncomfortably laugh, like, ha, ha, yeah, fuck that. And Teddy goes, it was a joke, like, it's fine, giggle. 
And only if you've lost a parent or a loved one can you make those jokes. And if that person's laughing, you can laugh because I've lost a parent. So like if I make the joke and I'm cackling away, feel free to join me. Don't, you can feel bad, but like don't feel bad about laughing. I made the joke. And Teddy's grandmother taught him to invest in people who have been loyal to him. And Oliver has been very loyal to him. And he told him to take the money. It's um, from another business he has. So now we're back with Mabel and she's downstairs. And Mabel's mom asks her if Charles is a good kisser. And Mabel looks like a little embarrassed. Like, oh my God, mom, stop. And she says to Mabel, like, she wished she could have protected her more, you know, over the last 10 years. And she asks them how old the two men are and that, like, they're really sad characters, but they're, like, really old. And Mabel tells her this is, like, the first set of friends she's had in a long time. And she's thinking about it and she really needs to see this case through. And... Sylvia goes on to tell her she could never read Mabel's stories when she was younger because she always had to skip to the end because she always know has to know what happens. And Mabel is still very much that way. She needs to know what happens. And I guess that was kind of her way of approving Mabel. Like, you're going to do it. I should just let you do it. I can't fight it. So just, you know, be safe and go do it. We're now back with Dee, and she's listening to the podcast, looking at a photo of her wife, and she's filling out an envelope. And we hear her voiceover saying, like, she mentions how she doesn't know how Herman's head ended. But, you know, he probably found that one girl or guy that he, you know, fell in love with. And he, you know, doesn't need those advisors in her in his head anymore and so she doesn't need those advisors in her anymore and to you know just fuck it and while she's saying this she's labeling like a big manila envelope and it's labeled to me to mabel um and now we're back in charles's apartment and they're looking at the analytics of their podcast and he's counting. It goes from like 266 to, not 200, 1,266 to 1,267. The downloads are going insane. People, and he's shocked that people are still watching live TV. You know, Oliver was like, where was this when I directed Godspell live on NBC? And Charles is like, you, you directed that? And he goes, no, I didn't. But I wish I did, which is funny because that's how Martin Short got like discovered he was in a Toronto play or he was in Godspell put on in Toronto and that's how like he and Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara that's how a bunch of them were discovered so I love that they're like intertwining like their real lives into these shows and characters kind of and Oliver can't see these updates. And he's like, what? Why can't I see these? And Charles takes his phone. He's like, it's in airplane mode. That's why you can't see these updates. And so Charles is like, we can't take this $50,000 check. Like, we can't accept it. We can't profit off of Mabel's tragedy. And Oliver's like, I'll rip it up then. 
and he's very hesitant to rip up the check. He's like whimpering as he's like, looks like he's, you know, going to rip it. And um, Charles notices the name on the check and it's from the other account that Teddy had mentioned his other side business and it's Angel and his grandmother's name was Evangeline. So I'm wondering if Angel's like a nickname or Evangeline is like the Greek version of Angel. But the name on the check is Angel Inc. And Oliver's like, Teddy isn't Angel. What the fuck? Like, what? And, you know, was Tim trying to break down Angel? Was Did Tim know that Teddy was Angel? And they're questioning and Mabel walks in. And she brings a peace offering. She brings hummus because our boy Oliver loves a dip and it's expired. But, you know, he's like, bring it here, girl. And tamales, her mom's tamales. And like, they looked so good. Um, I would go hard for some tamales right now. I would go hard for any sort of fresh made food made by moms. Um and she apologizes for lying and they all apologize for lying and holding back, you know, bits of their life. And she says it's hard to trust people. And then she's like, honestly, it's hard to like people. I'm like, same. And it's hard for her to save this. To say this. And then Oliver, you know, takes the apology and wants to know who his favorite is because he likes a little, you know, drama, likes to pit people against each other. And she still wants to do the podcast. She has to finish it. She wants to know who killed him. And Charles does the like, I'm looking at you sign with the two fingers to his eyes and at her and goes like, you know, that's so rando. And Mabel and Oliver are like, you're doing that wrong. Can, can you stop? And her final peace offering to them is the manila envelope that Dee had sent to her. They don't know that it was Dee, but she pulls it out and um, inside of it is Tim's phone. But the only issue is they need to they need to figure out his password. And Oliver's like, well, that should be kind of easy. We have this check now. And that's when Charles goes, but no, Angel is Teddy. Teddy is the prime sponsor to the podcast, but he is now the prime suspect. And Oliver says, wow, that's a great last line for an episode. And that's where the episode ends. So they're getting closer to figuring out, is Angel who killed Tim? Is, did Teddy kill Tim? Where did the ring go from the night that Zoe was murdered? Um, we are now officially halfway through the season. Episode six. Um, amazing. And, oh, tonight, Selena Gomez will be hosting Saturday Night Live with Post Malone. Um, I don't know if you guys saw Emmy Magazine released an article with selena martin and steve and some photos it comes out on tuesday aka my birthday i might have to go out and purchase it um i haven't bought a magazine in a while 
but I'd like to thank you for listening. If you could rate, like, rate, like, and review this, that would be awesome. Share it with friends, share it with fellow listeners that also watch Only Murders in the Building, um, and have a great day. Bye.